This is the Cinderealist episode 609. My name is Kyle. My name is James. And my name is Zach. And we're here to talk movies, movie lists, and movie obsession for the next hour or so. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Kyle. Of course. Of course. I uh, I forgot to mention this last week. Um, last weekend, I was in Chicago. Okay. And we were at Navy Pier. And I heard a group of friends like kind of saying goodbye to each other as they were leaving. Mm-hmm. And it was like two couples. And the first couple, as they were saying goodbye, said, Wadata. <laughs> and then the second couple, as they were saying goodbye, responded with, Sadate. <laughs> Did you go up and talk to them? I didn't because they, they were kind of far what? away. Like I heard it. And then I was turning. I'm like, Did I just hear a Pootie Tang reference in the wild? I'm a pawn Tony. I got would have hundred- on a pepper tank. I would a hundred percent have gone talk to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I would have been like Pootie, Pootie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's so rare that I hear a Pootie Tang reference that I'm not making, or Zach I, isn't making. So. I don't think I ever have. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So this is a group of four people that all made a reference together. Yes. Wow. Yeah, like like two couples, like as they were saying goodbye. I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely should have traded phone numbers with them. Yeah, it, you know, it was a missed opportunity, but <laughs> I also was just enjoying the moment of like, hey, this is pretty cool. I got to honestly hear some pooty tang. The most the most epic thing you could have done was to take off your belt and start running at them, pretending <laughs> to like hit them with your belt. <laughs> That would have been amazing. I mean, I'm there for it. Not because they would have understood it, more because they probably would have called the police. They would have understood it. (laughs) Or a gorilla suit. Did you have a gorilla suit with you? I was thinking a gorilla suit would have been good. Or like have Megan put on some Master P while I'm running at them with the the belt. It would have been the only, the third gorilla accident at that that Navy Pier. I probably need to rewatch Pootie Tang because I saw it once like a long, like 20 years ago and that's it. I never thought about that movie again. We had a missed opportunity, Zach, of watching it with James at the cabin. We did. And just telegraphing the jokes before they happen. (laughs) The perfect viewing experience. <laughs> no, that, that's how Megan watched Pootie Tang for the first time was with Zach and I. And Zach and I just pre-laughing and everything. Sure. And uh, she hated it. <laughs> it, was, no, it was a terrible I'm, experience I for bet. her. <laughs> well, it's hard to tell the difference between pre-laughing and post-laughing because we're just constantly laughing. Right. Well, either we were quoting what was just said or what we're quoting what was just about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Sadate. Wanata. <laughs> No thanks. Uh, all right. Well, well, let's get well, into it, guys. Welcome to episode six oh nine of the Cinderella's podcast. Today we're talking how to blow up a pipeline, as well as our top ten favorite movie explosions. Before we jump into all that, we need to remind you: there's a video version of this podcast on YouTube. Go check it out there. Type Cinderella's in the YouTube search. Find us and listen while you watch. Also, you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Get extra after show audio as well as other Cinerealist swag like mugs or t-shirts, etc. 
Uh, we appreciate that. Also, you could leave us an Apple podcast review. That's free and helps other people find the podcast. Five stars only. And finally, you could send us an email to heyguys at cinerealist.com, R-E-E-L with an S on the end. Send a comment, a question, a list suggestion, a movie suggestion, any of those kinds of things. We appreciate getting via email and we'll discuss on a future episode of the podcast. That being said, are you guys ready to talk how to blow up a pipeline? Yes. Yeah. I am ready to we're, talk. We're, we're discussing actually how to do it, correct? Like we've become eco terrorists. Yes. This is this is when we've been, we were radicalized. Becoming. I already was. Okay. Okay. So James has <laughs> radicalized us all. There'll be some sure. backstory about how we got here later in the show. It'll be cut in. Right. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I say if, if if we can't stop the machine, let's just dismantle it now. I agree. Okay. Starting with this clip. Listen, if I touch or even jostle this primer too much, it could detonate. I need you to take this some 20 yards back. If anything goes wrong, then don't come in unless I tell you to. Unless you see fire. Don't come in. Got it. That was How to Blow Up a Pipeline, directed by Daniel Goldhaber. It's a 2022 American action thriller film. Uh, Goldhaber wrote the screenplay along with two others. The movie stars Ariella Bearer, Christine Forseth, Lucas Cage, Forrest Goodluck, Sasha Lane, Jamie Lawson, Marcus Scribner, Jake Weary and Irene Bedard. Pretty much only them. The official IMDb plot synopsis for how to blow up a pipeline is a crew of environmental activists plot a daring plan to disrupt an oil pipeline. Yes. Yeah. That's the plot of this movie. It's exactly what it is. Short and sweet, but perfect. <laughs> been a while since i've read an imdb plot line where i'm like okay that's exactly what it should be <laughs> yeah but that one definitely is um so yeah we saw the movie it's been out for a while you can watch it online uh, i forget which service it's on i watched it on hulu hulu has it um it's also on vod if you don't have hulu but um we decided to watch it because it seems to be popping up on a lot of uh best of 2023 lists some of those lists are starting to come out uh, and it seems to be making people's lists. And so we decided to give it a watch. I have a little confession to make. Ooh, I already okay. watched this movie like months ago. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I don't really remember what I thought of it, but I definitely wasn't super hot on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we were looking for something to watch and I kind of feel like after seeing it show up on lists that maybe I was wrong or like I didn't see something in it that other people were, I gave it three stars. So certainly not a bad okay. letterbox rating. Um, this is what I had to say about it on first watch. We'll talk about second watch in a minute and y'all's opinions, but, uh, this is what I wrote in May of 2023. <laughs> 
Another in the short line of recent environmental justice focused films, not terribly interesting, but it kept my attention as any passable little low, but it kept my attention as a passable little low budget heist thriller. So I I didn't have bad things to say about it, but three stars is not exactly a top 20 of 2023 worthy grade. Sure. So. Uh, now that we've ratcheted up the suspense, <laughs> what did you guys think about how to blow up a pipeline? So, James, you describe this as a like a heist thriller, and I think that's a perfect way to describe this movie because it does feel like an Ocean's Eleven style movie. Not so much in the like ratatat delivery, but it's it's very much a procedural. Like this could have been a Steven Soderbergh movie in the sense of how. It really is the steps that these activists are taking to try and blow up a pipeline. Mm-hmm. And they have their plan and they're putting their plan into motion and things happen and they have to respond to that. And it, I mean, the, the whole time I was definitely interested in following this story, um, wanting to see like it, this movie, I think this is an interesting job of taking you know, people who you can describe as activists, you can describe as eco-terrorists, however, you, you know, they, they, there's kind of this gray line, which they even discuss in it. Like, you know, what is a activist versus a terrorist, depending on how history looks at it. Um, but this movie does kind of have you rooting for them, whether, mm-hmm. you know, you that was their intention or not. Um, and at the same time, it gives you these backstories about how these characters got to this point. Because that's something you always wonder is like, Okay, what what drives a person to then take these extreme measures and do something drastic like, you know, property destruction? And instead of just dropping you in with these characters, it gives you kind of some backstory about how they all got here, um, which I found to be quite believable. So, yeah, I, I thought this movie kept my attention the entire time and uh, definitely wasn't sure exactly where it was going to go at the end. Nice. Uh- uh, I was fairly disappointed with this movie. Okay. Um, I, maybe because I had heard some hype around it, right? That it's that it was like interesting and good and that kind of thing. <laughs> instead, and it wasn't those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead, I found it to be a pretty low budget, like pretty unevenly acted film okay. with like fairly cheap drama. Oh wait, so. Hmm. Like who did you th- who did you think were bad actors in this, or what performances did you not like? Uh, they all took their turns for oh, sure. Okay, so everyone <laughs> ever had their moments. So uh, first thing I would say is there's a whole lot of barrel rolling and lifting, <laughs> and you know there's not movie, that much. <laughs> there's a whole lot. Did, did you ever you watch Breaking how- Bad? Yeah. Okay. There's a whole lot of barrel lifting and rolling in Breaking Bad. Oh, and this one I will say felt very similar to Breaking Bad in a lot of ways, like setting wise and like some some sensibility. There was there was there was some influence there. You know how in movies when actors have a coffee cup and the coffee cup is empty and it's just very obvious that they're holding an empty coffee cup instead of one that has real liquid in it. Mm -hmm. Are you guys aware of this phenomenon? Yes. Yeah. I've heard of it. Yes. Happens all the time. I'm I'm acutely aware of it whenever okay. it happens because it's so easy to just put water in the coffee cup, right? It, it's the easiest thing in the world. Just put water in there and then they will handle it as if it has actual weight. This movie has so much barrel rolling and barrel lifting where the barrel <laughs> does not weigh as much as they're pretending 
as it weighs, or I, I guess I should call it acting. But um, uh, the the amount of like strain and overacting as they're trying to like lift this barrel and roll this barrel when the barrel weighs like twenty pounds in real life, why not just make the barrel really heavy? I guess for insurance reasons, they don't want it dropping on someone and breaking yeah. their leg or something. <laughs> but there was just way too much pretending that the barrel was heavier than it was. And it just, and I was like, this is not good for the actors because they're not selling it. That, they're overselling it. I, that never bothered me. I agree that there's a lot of lifting and pushing and rolling of barrels in, in moments like, like yeah. barrels are a big part of this plot. Yeah. But yeah, like, like them straining to lift them. It never bothered me. Like, I, yes, obviously they're acting like I, I wasn't like, oh my goodness, that barrel really is 600 pounds or whatever. Yeah. But I never felt like they were overselling it or that it was cheesy. Just kind of every single time. That's all I could think about. It's just like, oh, <laughs> they are just acting like it's heavy and and not not selling it to me. For the record, uh, the average steel drum or barrel weighs 48 pounds. So it wasn't 20 pounds. So it was at least 48. Okay. 48. MP. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You have like three people pushing it. It felt like it was, they're pushing 48 pounds. It's supposed to be like 400 or something, but it, they're just like, uh, you know, straining. And then it would move so easily when they like finally do it. They have to like hold it back. That was pretty close, Zach. A 55 gallon steel barrel filled weighs roughly 443 pounds. Yeah. See, I have a good sense of these things. Remember, Zach can. Zach only uses glass cups so he can pick it up without looking at it to gauge how much liquid is within the cup. You, <laughs> Kyle, you couldn't be more wrong. You could not be more wrong. Okay, I prefer. Please, please explain it then. I prefer plastic cups. Wait, over did I say glass, glass cups? Yes, you did. I meant to say plastic. I meant to say plastic. Okay. And the reason is because glass is so heavy that it masks the weight differential of the weight of the of the liquid. Whereas that, plastic is so not, light. Not you true. can clear it is true <laughs> it now in a in a glass cup the weight of the liquid is like half of the weight that you're holding but in a plastic cup it's like 85 percent of the weight you're holding and so you can more accurately judge how much liquid is there by weight when it's plastic cup whereas no. glass glass cup it's like harder to tell because you're telling the difference between 50 percent and 45 percent whereas like in a plastic cup you're telling the difference between 85 percent and 70 percent I bet you if you regularly use glass cups in time, you will be able to tell the difference as accurately as you can plastic. You just have the muscle memory right now for plastic. So it's much easier for you to do that. Where glass, you don't have the muscle memory or that knowledge of what's that, that difference in volume and weight. But I think with no, time you would be able to. It's not a matter of familiarity. Well. It's a yeah. matter of precision. It's, it's a, no, it's, it's a matter of precision. So, so you're, you're imprecise is what you're saying. No, no. What I'm saying is, I, I guess you're not listening. If if the weight, I'm listening. If the the weight of the thing you're holding is yeah. half glass and half liquid, right? If you have a a ten percent difference in the liquid change, right? You're that's going to be less of a change of the total weight than a ten percent change of the liquid change in a in a plastic glass. Correct. Yes. And so so it's just amount of significant figures. It doesn't matter how familiar you are with it. If it's a magnified amount of weight difference in a plastic glass, you're going to feel that more under any circumstances than in a glass situation. 
I guess what I'm saying is I have no problem. I, I drink from glass, and I have no problem with trying to figure out how much liquid is in my glass just based on picking it up. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm not like, oh, this is, is this full or empty? It's so heavy off the bat, I can't tell. Yeah, totally. I'm just saying I prefer plastic because it, it gives you a better sense. Yeah. I'm a pawn Tony. Got my <laughs> dillies on a pepper tank. In the same way that this movie, the, the, the way they're handling this light barrel and making it seem like super heavy was just very distracting. <laughs> anyway, it contributed to the um, uneven acting of this film, I thought. Okay. It, it felt more like a, uh, a random episode of a TV drama that I probably wouldn't normally watch. Hmm. But what did you think about the the flashbacks? So uh, here's another problem I had with this movie, right? So it it cried tried to create tension by um, <laughs> there's so many scenes where like uh, s- some explosive would like tip over off the table and just before it hit the ground, it would cut to a flashback, <laughs> and it's like oh man they left me right at the moment where I was going to wonder if it exploded and killed everyone. I guess I won't know until after this flashback is over. Like what a cool narrative device. And it's like, it's, it, they just kept doing it. And it was so cheesy how they like would create these fake moments of drama where like something would happen and they'd cut away right before you saw the results of what happened to this flashback that would give us the backstory of these people. And to be honest, none of them had an interesting backstory to, like to a person. None of them had an interesting backstory. Would you disagree with that? Who did anyone you had like, oh yeah, their backstory was really cool. I, mean, I thought the there was the couple, the kind of um I don't know, burnout raver couple. Mm-hmm. And you got the sense that, you know, like the girl in the couple was actually living the life, but the guy in the couple was a tourist. Like he's got a rich dad and comes from money and everything. So I, I thought that was kind of an interesting character of like, oh, he's just sort of playing in this world, but you know, isn't as in it as she is. Did he feel like a believable person in that world or did he feel like an actor acting to you? <laughs> I felt like a believable person. There, there's oh, some really? real. Yeah. <laughs> he felt like such a, uh, uh, yeah, just a character, you know, like I'm the like easygoing, whatever man, like who cares about the system, you know, like yeah. long for the ride, you know, yeah, just, yeah. you don't know people <laughs> like that. <laughs> Not like that. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't you, know. Know. you had the, the the woman who's right. Her, is it her mother died because of exposure to chemicals? And I mean, I don't know. I like, yeah. No one had this huge melodramatic background, but I thought I thought it was believable in all their experiences that led them to where they were. It, yes, like, it like, kind of felt to me like if you made a list of like, okay, what are like six different things that could lead people to this those were the six that they could think of first and, and they made the most sense. And then they just did those six. Yeah. But I think it's better to give variety than like all of them are like, well, my mom died of chemicals. Well, my mom died of cancer. Well, my mom died of cancer. Well, let's go blow up a pipeline then. Like, no, I, t- I totally agree. I just feel like none of them were like an original thought or like something interesting or like you might, you couldn't just assume without the flashback. Okay. In general, like I, I feel like flashbacks, I don't know. I found the flashbacks relatively un- uninteresting and the point that they always came at these fake drama moments of like, Oh, the barrels falling. What do we do? Flashback, you know, I, I'll i give you that. The, the time they would cut away when they chose to cut away the flashbacks was a little cheesy. It felt like MacGyver eighties, something or another. So 
I'll give you that. I didn't think it was cheesy. I, I thought you, you know, by the name of the movie, how to blow up a pipeline, right? You're, that's what you're watching the movie for, right? Is to see if they accomplish their mission on some level. And so you can't like just have no tension up until the moment where they do or don't blow up a pipeline. You have to like create moments of tension over the course. And since they decided to go fairly realistic with the backstory of each person, their backstory itself isn't going to be all that interesting. Uh, but by interrupting a, a, a moment of tension in them preparing to try to blow up the pipeline. I thought it was not necessarily clever, but a good choice to interrupt the day to day of working towards that goal mm-hmm. with the backstories that were maybe less interesting than them actually going through the process. That was my take on it. I, I actually liked that. And I think if they had told, if they had cut to flashbacks during the process without building to those moments of tension and then cutting away. I mean, I don't think it would have been as effective for me. Can I contrast it to a movie uh, called Rafifi? So in Rafifi, there's this long like jewel heist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like 20 minutes long and it's a procedural in the same kind of way. And there's an incredible amount of tension. And uh, I think that is a much more masterful way of achieving tension while being a procedural where you kind of like feel like you know how it's going to end, but like you're watching the process anyways, that's like a super tense 30 minutes and it's not relying on these kind of like what I feel are a little bit cheaper tricks. I think, but they also don't give backstory on every character. They're not trying to backstory like seven people over the course of that movie. Like they got to give motivations for these people. They don't have to, but if the movie's going to do that, do it this way as opposed to like, a less interesting and tension filled way. Sure. I mean, I feel like Rafifi, you get the motivations of the characters without the flashbacks. Yeah. But I I think, I think Rafifi is a little simpler because Mm -hmm. these are crooks, criminals who that's just what they do. Right. So like the, the motivation for that specific heist in Rafifi, you get a little bit of background of that, but you already know that these people are jewel thieves and crooks and they, they already have this background where in this movie you have people who are normal people who now then turns to this life of extreme activism. And I mean, for me, that's a bigger leap of like then versus a crook who wants to go through another heist for a specific reason. Sure. Can I, can I take one more like big issue I had with this movie? Sure. Sure. And and you, I'll be vague at first, and you tell me if it's a spoiler, and then I'll be less vague if you're okay with it. Okay, Um, I do tend to have a problem with movies where the characters are unbelievably uh, dumb, like where they're like uh, they've set up that they're not that dumb, and then they do dumb, dumber than they should be things. Like I'm okay with if, if a character is dumb, yeah, but if like they're not dumb, and then they do something like unspeakably dumb. Uh, it just it really turns me off. Like that's a big reason I have a problem with um the alien prequel. What's that called? Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. It's just characters who are not dumb people doing incredibly dumb things. Is this the strap moment? No, no, I'm fine. The strap was I mean, out of character, I thought, for the the main detonation guy. He's super careful on everything else, right? The, but that was out of character. It's not the strap moment. Can you the drone? 
the dr- can you dance around the moment you're talking about? Yes, there's one point where they encounter a drone. Yeah, and they leave it in a certain location. Okay, and I feel like the maybe the dumbest thing they could possibly do is leave a device that they have already said has GPS in that exact spot that they leave it. Where are they going to, wouldn't moving it though, like trigger an alarms unless they're going to move it along the same path it was already on. No, I don't think that's the case. They do have a throwaway line of, we can't take it. There's GPS. Yes. Yes. So Um, what would you have done, Zach, if you were, I would have thrown it a hundred yards away or something. You, or like you, you, you could throw it. a drone a hundred yards. Uh, then I would walk it a hundred yards. <laughs> I would like, I would not leave it 10 feet from an open hole with a barrel. Yeah. They, they literally leave it 10 feet from their open bomb hole instead of like moving it just out of sight. So whoever is going to come and find it, right? Like no one is flying a drone and then just never goes to look for it. Whoever goes to find it just doesn't like immediately see their bomb. Hmm. Does that not sound crazy to anyone else? I I mean, you'd have I to mean, watch the movie to know how that plays out, but I think it played out. If, I think they made the right choice. No, they didn't make the right choice. Sure. that. I mean, we'd have to get into spoilers, but <laughs> the, it's not the, like the, that changed the course of the movie. Was it? Why was it a better choice to leave it than to move it? not saying it was a better i'm saying it worked out yeah luckily i mean sort of not for one character (laughs) i i would say the at at the moment the characters felt like they had two choices right and their two choices were leave it or take it now right there's a third choice to move it but for whatever reason either you could call it bad writing or you could call it the fact that they were you know sort of a little panicked in the moment they saw their two choices were leave it or take it and I think between those two choices, leaving it made sense because taking it is now you're have movie evidence with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that they always had three choices and 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 not moving it away from their bomb was the silliest thing they could have done because okay. it's literally a GP devi- GPS device that will lead someone directly to their bomb. It's like same with setting up fireworks like they were setting up fireworks to signal each other like exactly at the points where they are, where things are happening. Like I'm at the station that turns it off. I'm at the bomb. These are the two points where everyone around us is going to see fireworks. I mean, these are things I could argue, but we'd really have to get into spoilers. (laughs) No, I got, I got what you're saying. (laughs) I guess these are things that didn't, that didn't bother me as much. They they were trying to keep stuff low fi, right? Low tech. So, I mean, yes, maybe they could have had radios, but like if you need to communicate across long distances and you do not want other people to be intercepting your communication, you you're, have limited options, like in fireworks or flares or one of them. They could have radios, but the radios can be heard by other people. Right. I guess I just, for me, procedurals, the reason why they're interesting is because I get to watch the execution, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's fun to see it, something executed really well or poorly. That's fine, too. And then, you know, like it let it bite them in the back or something like that. But it's just um, 
just to see these like oversights of like leaving a drone that's a GPS device that like then immediately characters are going to look for, which does happen. It's just so silly to me that like, what's the point of watching procedural of people that are not like proceeding well? <laughs> you know what I mean? And and if if it's a story of them like making mistakes and stuff, that's one thing. But like, it really wasn't that like they were presented I- as doing really competently. I mean, no, they're I th- amateurs. I, think, I don't think they're presented as. Yeah, there's definitely moments in the movie where they highlight the fact that they're amateur, and I think that moment in particular was not in their plan. Right, it was out of their control, bad right. timing, and so they're making a decision as amateurs in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. that maybe you wouldn't have made. Fine, but they're not experts at this. They're not the guys in Sicario. You know what I mean? Who are doing, uh, you know special ops missions across the border they're a bunch of environmentalist kids for the most part young people who have learned things over the internet (laughs) and they're doing it generally for the first time and it's the time that has to to count basically i don't know i think overall i don't really having seen it twice i didn't really have a problem with the acting i didn't note an issue i mean i like julianne Moore, so what do i know (laughs) <laughs> about good acting and bad acting. But I, I didn't like note anything that was like, oh, I can't get on board with who these people are claiming to be on screen. Never had an issue with that. Didn't have an issue with the weight of the barrels or any any of those types of things. I probably have a bigger issue with just like how s- kind of slight the story is. You mentioned this, Zach, as far as like their backstories just being not all that interesting. I generally agree, which I think is why I gave it a three back in May and why it's like not much higher now. I did see things at the second time that I didn't note heavily uh, the first time. I think the score in this one is really good. I thought they kept it very low key, but like it certainly was, didn't have Sicario's tone, but it had Sicario's tone light. I would say <laughs> kind of this droney uh-huh. sense of like, this is the inevitable. We're rolling towards the inevitable. Will this work or will this go, you know, South for us? And, um, and I, I appreciated that more on the second watch than I did the first for sure. Um, but I, I also think that's probably not enough to make it super memorable in my brain over a long period of time. <laughs> and so probably doesn't change my opinion uh, in big ways from first watch to second watch. But I do think that there is a much worse version of this. And I think it's pretty competently made from one side to the other. Amazingly made, maybe not so much, but certainly competent. Sure. Zach, you should try kelly reichardt's eco-terrorist movie with the uh, the guy from zombie land jesse eisenberg okay. kyle you would like it too just because you like kelly reichardt what's it called that movie it called? uh i forget um you'll have to look it up or i'll look it up in a minute it's um night moves it has almost no plot which as you remember most kelly reichardt's movies don't <laughs> But it is an eco-terrorist movie and they're doing a similar action or they're attempting a similar action as what this movie does. So it's interesting to see a filmmaker that literally is not interested in giving you people's backstory or 
um, even like, I don't know. It's, it's a way looser movie as far as the plan goes, I would say. Um, and motivation, but anyway, um, anything else with how to blow up a pipeline? The only other thing I want to say, and to piggyback off something Kyle said, yeah, is, uh, this would be a much better movie if Steven Soderbergh directed it. <laughs> like it really is Ocean's Eleven, right? But without this the snappy anything, you know what I mean? But it's a it it like it's a movie that Steven Soderbergh would make uh, so well. Oh yeah, that, for in, sure. Instead, I, this is this is more propaganda than it is like a great film. Oh, it's based on a book, so we got to give the filmmaker a little bit of credit. For like adapting a book, <laughs> you know what I mean. Whereas Ocean's Eleven's an original piece. Plus, Ocean's Eleven takes place in Las Vegas. This is in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, and they're eco terrorists. It's very different. Like the setting, you could make an Ocean's Eleven version with like Brad Pitt eating sandwiches all day and like snappy dialogue and fast paced editing. Hey, the, the it's traffic not, guys. It's not that movie. <laughs> I think it is that movie. I know, honestly, I think it is that movie. I don't think it, I think it has shades of that to keep itself interesting, but overall it's not that movie in my opinion. I thought the, uh, who is it? Ariella bearer who played uh, Zochi. I thought Mm -hmm. she also was like the writer on this movie too. She's a producer. Okay. She's a writer. And she also gave the, the direct to camera speech at the end. That was, you know, that was, that was filmed. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I do agree. I think this movie definitely has a point of view, right? Zach, you called it a propaganda piece. And I would say there's definitely shades of that. And it's, and it's given in the fact that the, one of the main actors is also the writer, the producer, like there's definitely a passion project for them. So yeah, this movie does have a point of view. It's not just, it's not standing coldly by as this procedure happens. It has, a, it has op- an opinion on it. Yeah. It's this odd thing where like the movie really is a call to arms to do things that the movie the, the the movie creators aren't willing to do. They're like, we'll make a movie about it, but we won't do it. But we want other people to do it, <laughs> which right? they kind of parody in this point in the movie itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, controversial topic time. Do you think it's okay that they? Let's say this was real life. Thoughts. Oh man. Okay, so so here's the plan. Okay, let me summarize it for people who haven't seen the movie. Okay, the plan is to blow up a pipe, an oil pipeline, mm-hmm. do it in a way where it's not going to spill oil, um, but do it in a way where it's going to um, close the pipeline for months. You know, for them to like make sure it's safe again, and so oil prices will spike, and mm-hmm. maybe it will encourage other people to do similar things so that oil becomes so expensive that it's unfeasible to use and people are forced economically to switch to other forms of energy. Am I summarizing that correctly? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure they laid it out as like people will be forced. It's more just like it'll speed up the adoption. People will consider using other forms sure. of energy. Sure. Well, market forces will drive people towards right. other energy because oil would be so sure. expensive. Yeah. But I don't think the characters had any illusion that like, blowing up this one pipeline was going to eliminate oil. They yeah. more wanted to spur like a oil war. I agree. I, I I think their main point was to encourage others to do the same. 
to say, look, mm-hmm. we can do this. You can do this too. Yeah. That being said, you're cool with it. Uh, as as long as no one dies or gets hurt, if people want to do things they feel passionately about, I you know go for it and just accept the consequences. What about the private property though? The private property was hurt, Zach. I'm so so right. I'm not con- private property. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not as concerned about private property. I like. I'm okay with people doing extreme things for things that they think are important enough to do those things, as long as no one gets gets hurt. Now, I could agree or disagree with like what they f- feel needs to be done, or, like what they feel passionately about. People could do extreme things for things I think they're wrong about, mm-hmm. but I understand. Um the desire to if if you feel like you're in a, a live or die situation destroy some property in order to like survive like they they th- the way these characters feel is we've got five years until the earth burns yeah so like some of we them have do. to do this yeah some of them do and we one of them's from getting the backstory revenge. right right yeah yeah so like uh yeah if that's how they feel then i think they're justified internally to do those kind of things again mm-hmm. if no one gets hurt but, but so my issue with and, and this is me just playing more devil's advocate with the idea with the extreme activism where it's like we're going to cause destruction, but we don't want anyone to get hurt is that oftentimes people still do get hurt because even the best laid plans, there's things that are out of your control. And a lot of times there's amateurs who are planning these things like, you, you know, here in Madison uh, at, at the university during Vietnam War, I think one of the buildings was like working with Dow Chemical on chemical weapons. So uh, some student activists were like, well, we're, we're going to bomb this university building, but we're going to do it at night. We don't want to hurt anyone. We just want to like make a statement and to remove the university from being able to help the war effort. Well, there was a janitor working in there that night. Right. And that person died. And then all these people went from being, you know, activists, terrorists to now murderers. And then, like, you know, it would have negatively affected their life in the first place, but now someone's dead and now they're murderers on top of that. So I, I think it's, there's obviously if you want extreme change, you need extreme action, but the idea of like, Oh, but no one's going to get hurt is just, that's kind of bunk. Like don't they do them fight club too at the very end. Spoilers for fight club. Everyone like they blow up all these buildings, but they're like, Oh, but we're all the janitors. We staff them all. So like no one's actually in these buildings. I'm like, you're dropping buildings. I know this. I know Fight Club came out before 9-11, but <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. When, it's, when, when you're dropping buildings in a city, like <laughs> there's going to be collateral damage here. Right. Totally. That, yeah. That's why I can say like in principle, I'm okay with it. But in practice, as if as long as nobody gets hurt. So if someone gets hurt, the equation changes in my mind. Right. But it, it's I think it's so rare that these things happen without someone getting hurt. Like e- even in this plan, Right. You can imagine all these scenarios where there could have just been contractors and other people who are just present on site when this stuff happens. Oh, yeah. There's a million things that could have yeah. gone south. Um, but I mean, all that being said, like uh, what America is here today because of the Boston Tea Party. Right. Sure. Which was interpreted as a terrorist act by. Right. The people and in it was charge. It, in very similar ways. The exact same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, like the thing that carried the liquid that everyone cared about mm-hmm. got sure. destroyed and it spiked. Right. You know, like the exact same thing. That's why I'm all for it. Just burn it all down. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, James is the anarchist of the group here. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And the one that like is uh, sees the future as the most dire. So that makes sense. <laughs> 
definitely. Um, well, his future is much shorter than ours anyway, Zach. So, <laughs> yeah, know. I have less I have less to live for. Yeah, yeah, according he, he to you guys. Earth. According to you guys. <laughs> it's it's hard to say cuz we're so close um, you know, in the span of the life, but if the life was shorter or lighter, uh, you'd be able to see the precision of the difference in our ages a lot cleaner. Sure. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> that, that was clunky, Zach. <laughs> it was it's fine. I'm going to outlive you guys anyway. Um, <laughs> anything else with how to blow up a pipeline? Are we ready to letterbox this? Let's go for it. All right. I'll start. I gave it a three in May. I'll give it a three and a half in November. Wow. You liked it better. A little better. Yeah. I, I like this. I'm going to give you four stars. Nice. Yeah. Two stars. Yeah. Two, Two stars. Okay. It was a movie with essentially no plot. It had a plot. Had You're a crazy. Plot. You didn't like the plot, but it had a plot. <laughs> I mean, yes, it had a plot. Yes. <laughs> it had a plot. We could it, it even give it some, one sentence. It even had some twists. <laughs> it absolutely did. Maybe I've watched too much Lost, and it's conditioned me to flashback things like at the most tense moments. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> the Lost phenomenon. Yeah. All right, moving on to our top 10 movie explosions, obviously inspired by How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which may or may not have an explosion in it. I'll have you know. There's no explosions guaranteed in that movie. Um, That would have been a much better title. No explosions guaranteed. (laughs) That, you know, that would be the Steven Soderbergh title. It'd be snappier dialogue. Yes. Okay. Let's remake this sure. movie with Soderbergh. Some two piece jazz Pitt music. And Clooney and all in there. And... Yep. All right. Let's okay. run down our list. Um, I'll start with my number 10 before I jump into it. Uh, this is the criteria I used. If something exploded, it was eligible for my list. <laughs> James, I use the same criteria. Hold on. Right. Are your list movies or explosions? They're the explosions in a movie. Okay. Yes. Right. I mean, wait, you listed explosions that weren't in movies? Is, is yours no, like number said, 10, <laughs> the Big Bang, number nine? No, you, <laughs> no, no. You said if it has an explosion, I included it. So I was thinking like, oh, you're just movies that have an explosion in it? Is that what your list is? Or is it the explosion from the movies? It's the explosion from the movie. It's not okay, a ranking so of movies I like that happen to have an explosion. Okay. It's a, it's a ranking of explosions that happen to be in movies. That's what I was checking. Yeah. I think we all made the same list. Brilliant. The car into missile explosion gag in 1988's The Naked Gun, colon, from the files of the police squad, exclamation point. Do you guys remember this moment in that movie? Is this when Leslie Nielsen is saying, like, nothing to see here, people, and it's all blowing up behind him? Yeah, they're going through, like, this ridiculous car chase, and all this wacky stuff is happening, and then right at the end of the car chase, the guy he's chasing is already in a car that's like mostly blown up. He's on the hood of it. And for some reason, a tank with a giant missile pulls out in front of him and like this ridiculously large explosion happens. And then Leslie Nielsen gets out of his car and tells everybody, nothing to see here. Keep moving, folks. And it's like literally like explosion everywhere. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of awesome and brilliant. And one of, uh, one of my favorite ones from that classic 80s comedy. Nice. Well, my number 10 is the guy's head exploding from telekinetic powers from Scanners, 1981. Uh, This is a early David Cronenberg film. It's about 
uh, people with telekinetic powers who kind of go to war with each other. It's definitely cheesy in moments. It's an early 80s movie. It's an early Cronenberg. Um, the main character I did not care for as an actor whatsoever. But you also have um, Patrick, Patrick McGowan in this movie from like The Prisoner. And Michael Ironside plays the main kind of evil telepath in this or telekinetic being in this movie. And he uses his powers at one point to blow a guy's head up. And it's a pretty cool effect. And it's a pretty cool explosion. Nice. Are you guys in general a fan of explosions in movies? I like mean, when plus? appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about only when appropriate? I mean, I, they're, I don't remember them when they're not appropriate. I, I mean, I think if they're, if they're memorable or notable, I like them. If it's just things blowing up for the fun of it. Who cares? Like, yeah. I, if it's Michael Bay, just I'm going to blow up every rock I can find. It, it gets to be a little much. But like when it's used for impact, I think it's much better. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, spoiler alert. There's not a single Transformers movie on my list. And every one of those has like three or four explosions in it. So it's not like how big or how ridiculous it's whether it's well placed. Yes, I would say. Yep. Sure. Uh, okay. Well, my number 10 is uh, the explosions plural from the creator, uh, which is a movie that we talked about recently. And I wasn't like through the moon for that movie, but I was very impressed by the explosions. I thought they were well done. They all looked real and like impressive. And we don't, we don't get that from movies all the time. A lot of the times the explosions aren't super awesome when they're like CG, mm-hmm. but these were CG and awesome. So I was cool with it. Yeah. The explosions followed the movie. Like even if you had problems with the movie, that movie looked realistic. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. My number nine. Yes, Kyle. I'm, I'm going to say right now, I think none of my explosions are pure CG. I think they're all practical with maybe some CG enhancements they're probably okay. all cg enhanced <laughs> well i mean some of these movies were, were pre-cg so they're definitely not cg okay. enhanced but <laughs> all right uh my number nine the explosion of orlando florida's city hall in 1992's lethal weapon 3 this might not make everybody's list because it's just kind of a building exploding <laughs> And Lethal Weapon 3 isn't even set in Orlando. It's some other city. Uh, But they actually did blow up City Hall in Orlando. They paid half a million dollars to do it. And they did it the summer that I moved here. So a young James at age 12 or 13 arrived in Orlando, Florida, and heard they were making Lethal Weapon 3. And they were going to blow up City Hall. And uh, without even seeing the movie... I thought it was maybe the coolest thing I had ever heard, uh, <laughs> despite living like an hour away from LA when I was <laughs> before that, where I'm sure they blew up plenty of things. Um, and then when I saw the movie, I was like, never seen city hall before, but yep, that's it. And, uh, it's just a, an explosion that always exists in the back of my brain, probably because of where it happened. Nice. Nice. My number nine is the explosion of Cyberdyne from Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, and this is made my list for two reasons. One, it's a great actual explosion. When, when, the, when the bomb goes off, there's this huge fireball that just levels an entire floor of a building. And you see it from the outside with all these cops in the foreground and glass and fire flying everywhere. But the setup to this 
is uh, Joe Morton's character, who's like the president of Cyberdyne or whatever at the time. You know, he gets convinced that what he's doing is wrong. They're going they go to Cyberdyne to destroy their work. Things go south. He stays behind with the trigger for the bomb. And he's slowly dying, kind of like like letting these last gasps of breath out. And when he lets his last gasp out, he clicks the bomb and the whole thing goes off. So it's a cool explosion with a really neat setup on top of it. That's awesome. Good choice. Uh, My number nine is Bridge Over the River Kwai. And the explosion is of the bridge over on the River Kwai. (laughs) Okay. It's a good explosion. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, also, spoiler alert for uh, Bridge of the River Kwai. <laughs> yeah, and I said it wrong. It's Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, but even though it goes over the over the river, though, I yeah yeah yeah. I guess bridges don't go on things; they go over things. Yeah, yeah. Technically correct and also incorrect at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my number eight is the hospital explosion in two thousand eight's The Dark Knight. Uh, just really cool well framed shot slow-mo joker walking away unaffected by a ginormous explosion of a hospital behind him uh seared into my brain as a cool explosion my number eight is the cafe explosion from inception this is when leonardo dicaprio and elliot page's character are sitting at a cafe and all these baskets of fruits and paper start exploding around them. And it's uh, visually really cool. And I guess it's a, a, a nod to a movie called Zabrinsky Point, which I've never seen before, but apparently mm. it has a very similar explosion in it. So I kind of want to see that movie now to see the the original. Zach, have you seen it? No, it, but it's a Harrison Ford movie. It is. Okay. Mm, yeah. Oh. Well, you might see it before us then if you're working his way through his filmography. Yeah, exactly. I definitely plan on seeing it. It's kind of a cult movie. I'm I'm interested. Cool. My number eight is the opening scene from Children of Men. This is where he's just like kind of in a you know, like a you know like a the coffee drug shop. store, yeah, yeah, coffee shop, watching the TV, and then uh, a, a terrorist explosion goes off. And I just love how that scene's done. First of all, it's all in one like take. Um, but two, like you know the the his his audio goes completely out. You know, because he like can't hear in relation to the explosion, and it's just so unexpected and jarring. It's just, yeah, it's great. It's really it sets the tone for the movie. Cool. My number seven is the um, the bomb to boat continuous shot in two thousand and one's Pearl Harbor. Have you guys seen Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Oh. So there's long ago. One, there's one CG shot that's pretty convincing, okay. at least for 2001. Um, speaking of uh, the director of Transformers. Yeah, it's not a Michael Bay movie. It's a Michael Bay movie. Okay. Um, where like they show a plane, right? An enemy plane during the bombing of Pearl Harbor. It's flying over and you see the bomb literally like come out of the bomb capsule and under the plane. I don't know what you'd call that thing, but the bomb it drops door. it. Yeah, and then the camera moves behind the bomb, so you kind of like see the spinning fan of the of the bomb that like keeps it aimed straight down, and then you follow it all the way down to the boat, and then the moment it hits the boat, it cuts away, and you see the boat explode. And uh, the shots in the trailer, and it always impressed me. It impressed me in the movie. The movie didn't impress me, but that specific shot impressed me so much that when I was in uh, digital media school 
in the early 2000s, I recreated it for my 3D class. So I've spent many hours playing that shot over and over and over <laughs> again to see how close I could get to duplicating it. And spoiler alert, not very close. <laughs> With like maybe three works, three weeks of 3D uh, under my belt and then trying to recreate that. But Fantastic. I think it did an all right job. You, you could do one of those mashup videos of like Instagram versus reality. Like the Instagram <laughs> is the shot from the movie. And the reality <laughs> is your 3D recreation. Sure. Yeah. My number seven is the final factory explosion from Police Story 2. This is a Jackie Chan movie I watched recently discussed on a top 10 last 10. Uh, not my favorite Jackie Chan movie in the Police Story series, but it does have a pretty awesome explosion at the end. Uh, like many movies, this movie ends in a factory warehouse fight. For whatever reason, the factory about to blow up. Uh, Jackie Chan's character is running out of the factory as it blows up. And we're talking, we're not talking like a window going out, like the entire building catches fire. Multi stories. Jackie Chan's in the foreground, um, assuming he has no idea how big this explosion is going to get because you see him running and kind of looking behind him, making sure he clears the debris. And then once everything seems fine, then Maggie Chung runs on screen to like hug him to say, hey, you did it. But it's all done in one shot. And it's one of these explosions where they're like, yep, we're going to blow this building up. Check. You're going you're gonna to you're gonna run away from it. And uh, it's called a day. <laughs> hopefully you don't die. Yeah, Hopefully you don't die this time, Jackie. <laughs> That's great. So if you don't watch Police Story 2, at least YouTube Police Story 2 explosion at the very end. Mm -hmm. It's like a minute long. You'll love it. Very cool. Uh, my number seven, it's got to be the White House being blown up in Independence Day. Oh, that was such like a groundbreaking moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was a cool moment. Uh, you don't expect the White House to get blown up by aliens, but it set the tone for sure. A bunch of landmarks got blown up, I believe, but um, seeing the White House was pretty cool. Do you remember the old TV show Movie Magic that was on like Discovery Channel back in the 90s? Yes. I don't. Oh, James, you remember this? Uh, Zach, I'm sure if I like found the trail, like the opening credit trailer, you would remember okay. this series. It it was kind of like a behind the scenes documentary about how they just a lot of movie effects. And they did a whole episode on the Independence Day White House explosion. It's oh, like fun. a PBS show, I think. It, I mean, it definitely like had a very like dry narration to it. Right. Right. It was <laughs> it, it. It's so cool, though. So. If I can find the uh, the opening credit, Zach, I'll send it to you. See if it sparks any memories. Okay. So cool. My number six is the helicopter that crashed into a building and exploded in 1999's The Matrix. Remember this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The helicopter yeah. like swings kind of backwards glass. and sideways and ripples the glass. And then, uh, yeah, I think it's just a helicopter running into a building. Certainly we've seen that in other movies, but in this one, in the context of the matrix, the rippling of the building, the fact that like they're in a computer simulation, the size of the explosion, it all came together for me. And, uh, that's why it's my number six. Do you remember when like the bomb went off in the, um, parking garage in the elevator shaft or whatever? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always thought that the way the door like flew through the explosion looked strange. How it like what I mean? flew off. Yeah, was, like it kind of took a weird trajectory, I thought. It was well, probably it was a CG, CG door. door so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
But no, I'm just I, wondering if it ever stood out to you. Right. No, I, I agree. Like it doesn't. Fl- it flies off the hinges and then like bounces right in the center frame. And yeah, it's it's more for drama than realism. I think they went a little overboard with the speed ramping CG on sure. that uh, shot. But yeah. All right. Well, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Can I? Can I go? No. <laughs> yeah, you go, you go next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, you, you just wanted to tell us you love the smell of napalm in the morning, yeah, right? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Right. Apropos nothing. Um, my number six is, this is a smaller explosion, but there's many of them. This is Tim the Enchanter from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, this is the character, one of the characters that John Cleese plays. Uh, Ar- King Arthur and his Knights of the Rounds need to get a holy hand grenade, or they need to def- defeat the, um, the, the rabbit. So they go find tim the enchanter and when they find him he's just casting fireballs all around him and it goes on for like at least a 30 seconds of him casting fireballs and they finally start a conversation with tim the enchanter and he punctuates every single sentence with like three more fireballs and there's gotta be like 20 or 30 explosions in that like one scene and it's so ridiculous but it's so much fun that's great i like that movie so what do you love in the morning zach the smell of napalm okay. <laughs> from Apocalypse Now. It's the ride of the Valkyries helicopter scene. Um, it's just a well-made scene. Yeah. Even more impressive that like they just like borrowed them from the military. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, it was really like the, dropped bombs. It was like you know the Filipino I mean? is, army or something like that. Right. They dropped like the same bombs the Filipino army was going to drop anyway type of thing. Those aren't like movie bombs. They're actual bombs. Right. And then they got called away to fight actual terrorists or guerrilla warfare during the, the scene. So, yeah, yeah, it's wild. Uh, my number five, I, I didn't think this would be a duplicate, but it absolutely is. It's the exploding head scene in 1981 Scanners. Nice. That's a bingo. <laughs> Which uh, is a very memorable uh, out of nowhere explosion. Uh, my number five is the previously mentioned helicopter ripple explosion from the Matrix. Matrix That's has lots of explosions bingo. in it. Yeah. But yeah, right. Just how cool it is to see that like slow motion shock wave go out from across the glass and all the glass shatters behind it. It's uh for all the reasons you said, James, it's a standout moment in that movie. Mm-hmm. Standout explosion. You know, the longer I think about this list, I just think of all the movies that I forgot to put on there. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, I just thought of the uh, the semi-truck that, like, flips over in Dark Knight. And oh, it goes over and just yep. shot that practical. That's so cool. Yeah. It doesn't Didn't explode, even... though, right? Well, what caused it to flip? That's true. Well, uh, explosion caused it to flip. No, in the context of the movie, it's a bat cable. It catches a cable that Batman set up. That's right. Oh, right. really? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Now, it's it, it a practically very strong bat cable, <laughs> right? Yeah, but between like fire hydrants or something like that, which yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, practically it was a hydraulic explosion to flip this thing over. But, yeah, right. yeah, it really does. It, it's made me question what an explosion even is because so many times I like, oh, this is an explosion, and then I look and it's like, no, no, it's just like destroyed, and then there was fire, but like nothing exploded. You know, like I was like, does this count as an explosion? Is an, is an explosion a sudden? release of energy like in its simplest terms is that what an explosion is i am i'm like don't make me look up the definition of explosion 
Like it doesn't just doesn't have to be it's like fire turning per se. on a blender. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. What, what what about the sudden and uncontrolled re- release of built up energy, a potential energy? Nah, I we're, always we're thought it's technical here. I thought it was more like a, a rapid expansion. Ooh, that's maybe a better mm. way of putting it, right? Because because you could have contents under pressure that explode. There's no fire right. involved in that necessarily. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like how like a, a cable between two fire hydrants flipping a <laughs> semi right past Zach, but like the weight of the barrel and how to blow up a pipeline is an issue. <laughs> well, hold on. The semi, the, the weight of the semi, I believed was the actual weight of the actual semi because it was an actual semi The flip right, like it yeah. all looked physically real. I'm pretty sure they took the engine out of the semi. Like you're look just looking at the uh, again. But the no. delta between a, a semi with an engine and without an engine is very similar. The, you wouldn't notice the difference. There was a person inside that semi when they flipped it for the Dark Knight. Like there was an actor. Was there? I was like, oh yeah, there's there a stuntman. Yes, inside <gasps> that semi as it flipped. That's right. crazy. But I thought yeah. I thought it was hollowed out, and they had like a like they had it on a rail. Uh, they, they may have had cables involved, but they definitely had a huge hydraulic. Uh, explosion to flip that thing right. over. Like, yeah, it, sure. it, they flipped a semi or yeah, they definitely yeah. did it, but I'm pretty sure they hollowed it out. Yep. Sure. Sure. But you could tell it like was a heavy, hefty thing. Not, they're not just like pretending it's heavy. <laughs> it like actually like was, if it landed on you, right. you I'm just saying it's to- interesting what you can suspend your disbelief over, <laughs> <laughs> but they actually flipped a semi. This one, they're like rolling feathers. But not with down a cable hill. between two. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure if uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline had Dark Knight money, they could have gotten an actual 600 pound drum and rolled it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, my problem, my problem with the drum was the acting of the pushing. <laughs> okay. I really want to tweet the actors and How to Blow Up a pi- Pipeline and find out if it was a heavy drum. Or How not. heavy was that drum? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's go no, full they, the shallows on this. They might, let's their go, let's go right it, to the source. Their memory of it might be like, oh yeah, it was pretty heavy, but it was not as heavy <laughs> as they were pretending heavy. it was. Well, then I'll find like the props guy. Please. To find out if they actually had a heavy barrel or not. Please, please, please. There's no way. All right. Is it my turn yet? Yes. Uh, is it your number five, Zach? Yes. Okay, my number five. The previously mentioned Paris Cafe dream scene in Inception. That's a bingo. That kind of slow mo, everything explodes into like splinters is really cool. And I just hadn't seen anything like that before. Cool. Nice. My number four, the previously mentioned The White House explosion in 1996's Independence Day. That's a bingo. (laughs) Loved it. I'm pretty sure my number four will not be a bingo. And this is the final plane explosion from Fast and Furious 6. If Spoiler you, alert. It will not. <laughs> Spoiler you, alert for the movie uh, and I, the I, don't know if, I don't know if you guys have seen Fast and Furious 6, but the final set piece is a large cargo plane is trying to take off. So Dom and his team obviously attach their cars to the plane so it cannot take off. And this scene goes on for about 20 minutes and the plane never actually takes off. It's on the runway the whole time. People did the math that this runway was like 18 miles long for, for this to happen. Um, but at the very end, Dom drives his car into the plane. The plane crashes in the big fireball. As it's crashing, he drives his car out of the nose of the plane 
through the fireball, immediately flips his car. It rolls a million times, explodes, and then through the wreckage, he just walks away. And it is, I mean, I, I, don't, I actually cannot think of a ton of explosions in the Fast and Furious movies. They're more like car crashes and stunts. But this is one of the true explosions in the in the series. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, is it my turn number four? Yes. Mm-hmm. The end of Fight Club, where all the buildings explode. <laughs> it's right. not because it's like that cool of an explosion, but it's a cool moment of the film. That the explosions explosion. yeah, add emotional weight. And zero casualties, too. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, right? Yeah. <laughs> So realistic. Uh, my number three, uh, similar to my number seven, 2001's Pearl Harbor. Uh, this is the bomb writing explosion in 1964's Dr. Strangelove or colon, how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. The pivotal moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic scene. Uh, which scene? Wait, which, which is it? The writing the bomb or the right, writing the bomb all the way to the ground and then the sure with the like all the atomic. Uh, did they actually film that or was that just archival footage of atomic bomb testing? Archival. Oh yeah, no, Kubrick definitely was setting off atom bombs. <laughs> Very authentic. I've, I, you know, I'm all about realism. <laughs> uh my number three is the opening napalm explosion from the previously mentioned Apocalypse Now. Uh, the the when when this movie yeah. when this movie starts at the very beginning, it's just a still shot of the uh, the jungles of Vietnam. There's um, like kind of helicopter blades in the background, and slow motion helicopters are moving through the pant through the scene. And then just as the doors, uh, this is the end, kicks in. This huge napalm explosion goes off right in the forest. It was burning the whole thing. And it's you have this green forest contrasted with this bright orange explosion. And right away, that's just setting the tone for what kind of movie you're getting with Apocalypse Now. I think it's a great opening. Yeah. For sure. Okay, my number three, the Rocketeer. Uh, at the end of the movie, he's fighting the bad guys. They're on like a... I, I don't remember if it's a Zeppelin or a different type of dirigible. Mm-hmm. But they're on some form of uh, air airship, and uh, the the main bad guy he steals the jetpack, and he's gonna fly off. And the main rocketeer guy notices that it's leaking oil or whatever because his gum fell off. Oh, that's right, the gum. Yes, <laughs> I forgot. And so about he that. flies off, and it just like all lights on fire, and becomes this fireball. And then he crashes into the Hollywood Land sign knocking over the land part of the Hollywood land sign. And so it just becomes the Hollywood sign. Oh, and that's one of my favorite tropes in movies. I love it when they provide a very unnecessary explanation of how the Hollywood land sign became the Hollywood sign. I love sure. that. Um, and then not only that explosion happens, which is fantastic. Then right after that, the like the big muscly brute guy with the disfigured face, he's attacking them on the dirigible and uh, they like belt him to it, like where he's attached by like a leash and then the airship like lights on fire. And so th- the whole thing explodes while he's like tied to the airship by by this leash. And uh, that's a really great explosion, too. So it's a it's a two for explosion back to back. I forgot how violent the Rocketeer was. <laughs> oh, it's pretty violent. It's like almost Dick Tracy level, like bad guy Nazis. Sure. My number two. Uh, the death of Sergeant Elias in 1986's Platoon. 
We've seen Platoon. This is towards the end. You've kind of followed this guy throughout the movie. He's kind of being left behind and they are carpet bombing uh, the jungle. He comes running out of the jungle and falls to his hands and knees with his arms up. I think this movie won an Academy Award basically off this scene. And right behind him is just like solid explosion. And it's pretty awesome. And it's seared into my brain. When (laughs) we talked about making this list, I was like, that's got to be on it. Nice. Cool moment. My number two is the tanker explosion from Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, The majority of this movie, a tanker is being driven around full of gasoline, full of fuel. And towards the end of this movie, this tanker finally explodes. And it's a very dramatic, huge explosion. And it's filmed as uh, Mad Max is kind of on one of these like swinging arms. He's kind of viewing it from the top, swinging by as the explosion is happening. It's really cool. It's done practically as most things were done in uh, Mad Max Fury Road with a little bit of CG enhancement, obviously. I watched a making of featurette of that today. It was like two minutes long. And they talked to the stunt coordinator. They're like, oh, yeah, how'd you do the shot? He's like, well, we had a remote control truck. We loaded it full of gasoline. We had this big expanse of desert. And at a certain point, we blew it up. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's <laughs> that's how you do That's why that movie's awesome. <laughs> that's why it's awesome. It's like, what a dumb yep. question. How'd you do it? I blew a truck up. Although what that else? movie has a uh, Matrix door scene in it as well. Like Is the scene that- where that semi can't pass through the um the the i don't know where the the, the canyon the, gets yeah, too the, the narrow too thin. canyon yep yeah yep. It falls on its side slides and then at some point a steering wheel or something comes towards the screen right yes and it's very cg in a movie that's like feels very realistic for some reason don't they also do that with the guitar for the the doof warrior does his his guitar go flying and just into the scene also i think it happens a couple times yeah yeah movie. yeah other than that though flawless movie Absolutely i mean it's flawless. it's a five-star movie <laughs> zach yeah okay my number two uh it's a shame it's not on any of your lists because it's a pretty awesome explosion it's the beginning of swordfish <laughs> Do you remember the beginning of Swordfish? I, yeah. I only remember one scene in Swordfish, and it's not an explosion. Okay. <laughs> I remember two scenes in Swordfish, and this is one of them. And the other one's one James remembers. So it starts with like a bank heist, right? And uh, he sends out one of the hostages. And then when when the hostage is like out of the building, he detonates um, uh, bombs that are on the hostage. And then we see the bombs explode in slow motion. And the 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 like uh the pressure wave go out from them and as the camera's like panning around and we're seeing like police officers just like slow motion flying through the air as cars are like overturning and it basically like swings around the whole block as we see the the explosion pressure wave like affect everything around it and it's just such a, a cool scene i mean what? it's like it it looks the cgi looks dated now but like if you give it credit for the time it was it was like super cool weren't there also ball bearings though in in the in the explosion uh to cut like shrapnel damage yeah Uh, there might have been but what i remember of it is like it's fairly it's a fairly wide shot i don't know if you're really seeing okay hit things i'm you're seeing cars overturn more than like holes huh. and things. Okay, is there another one where it's like it's like a matrix style where like the explosion happens and then the camera like whips around? 
So that's the scene. That's the same scene. I, I remember yeah. there being like ball bearings. I remember being much more of like an act of terrorism almost where, I mean, obviously the person who got blown up was not, they were a victim, but then they were also were just like killing everyone around them. Like it's one of those things where it's, it didn't age well because nine 11 happened like six months later after this movie came right. out. Yeah. It's, it's certainly like very destructive bomb. There could have been like tons of shrapnel just busting through glass and everything. Okay. I did consider this. I did consider that explosion. Yeah. Nice. Didn't consider it at all, but I did consider my number one. It's my favorite explosion in a movie of all time. When we talked about making this list, I was like, that's number one. And then as I was making the list, I was like, can anything beat this? And, uh, no, the answer is no, nothing can beat the death star explosion in 1977 star Wars, which is a movie I've, literally grown up with predates me as a human being by about six months. <laughs> and I watched it over and over and over on VHS. And, uh, the moment where Luke is in the trenches, tension is high. Is he going to do it? He turns off his targeting computer, fires the shot down the hole, makes it flies away. Death star explodes giant, 70s style explosion not the special edition cgi bullcrap that yeah. they added later we're talking original explosion here it's a beautiful thing my number one can i ask a question about that scene yeah yeah so you guys know it better than i do but my visual memory of what happens mm-hmm. luke's kind of in that canyon he sh- he fires his trench what are the what's the trench yeah <laughs> he fires his what's the what's the pulse weapon called his, his torpedoes he photon fires torpedo. his yeah. photon torpedoes. They kind of go out. And then in my visual memory, they kind of, they, they follow a straight line and then they like curve down. They, oh they, yeah. They take a right angle turn. Yes. Top gun Maverick. Like, <laughs> so they, so do they take like an explained right angle turn or like an impossible right angle turn? It's the force. Well, yeah. It's the force. He oh, does the force. he, is it the force? Does he force them into position? Yeah. He, he does not use the target computer. Right, that's the that's the whole thing. He, and he closes. Use his the eyes. force, Luke. Whoa, yeah. whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, I will tell you what I thought was happening, and then you tell me if 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 I'm understanding you correctly, because I, okay. I I think that's crazy. Okay, why I do you think thought, that's crazy? Hold on, okay. I thought that the force usage was the force was going to help him to be able to aim correctly without the targeting the computer. Right, like the force will help him. To shoot at the right moment, hit at the right time. Right? As if, okay. What I thought you're saying is the force is allowing him to make an impossible shot where the trajectory doesn't follow the laws of physics. I thought it was like a timing aiming thing. You're saying it's like to change the trajectory of the beam to not follow physics. It's it's not a beam, it's a missile. I think it's a a little bit A, a little bit of B. Really? I think the targeting computer would have accomplished the same thing. Uh, Really? I don't know. Yeah, I think that was the problem is they couldn't guarantee like it was so tight that maybe even the targeting computer couldn't do it. So wait, wait, so so I just want to make sure I understand because this is a a pivotal thing. So are you saying Luke used the force to to change the trajectory of the the torpedoes photon torpedoes down? Yeah, no, it wasn't an aiming thing. I I don't know if it was necessarily Luke only. I think it was like the the force of good in the galaxy that's not the thing i'm talking about but like i'm saying what the force did was change the trajectory not just aim it 
Yes. Uh, a little bit of A, a little bit of B is what I'm saying. Well, if it's a little bit of B, then then you're saying yes. Sure. It helped. Wow. Yeah. Is that the mainstream opinion of what's happening there? No clue. <laughs> Kyle, I don't think this has ever been debated. I've never heard it debated before. I mean, <laughs> I, I do. I, I have always found it a little odd that like the the torpedoes are traveling perpendicular and then they quickly yeah, zoom they just in down right in. Yes. But it never bothered me. Like, I, I thought it was a little odd. But I'm also like, well, this is a 70s, like, you know, cool effect thing they're doing here. So Yeah, what I assumed was um, we're meant to believe that he just aimed it really well and that it visually it made it look off. But like, it, it made not it that it physically 90 degree. Yeah, turn. not that it actually in real life took a 90 degree turn. It just visually kind of felt that way. It, it looked, he just it, made an accurate shot. It looks like a 90 degree turn. I mean, it, it's a, it's like a one second shot of the torpedoes yeah. going in there and then the explosion happens. Right. So. Okay. So both of you think that he, the force was used to change the trajectory of the shot to 90 degrees. Now that you ask me, yes. Have I, have I thought about this at all before this conversation? No. Okay. But Same. in this wow. moment, yes, I'm going to say it was the force. Wow. Same. Here. Okay. I, I will say I'll think about it more, but okay. I, my gut is telling me the force helped him aim, and that's all. He didn't he didn't push the torpedoes with the force. Then then, then what? Then how what do you explain the, the impossible ninety degree turn? Yeah, I always assumed it was just a uh, optical illusion. Yeah, some sort of uh, optical illusion. <laughs> well, it was technically it's a special effect. Yeah, <laughs> I do. We're like, meant to believe it was just a very well aimed, impossibly aimed shot. Along a straight line path. In my memory of the original Death Star explosion, pre-special edition, it does explode. There's all these like, you know, obviously fireworks, whatever, they go all different directions. And then gravity kicks in and you see the everything falling. Even though it's in space. Yeah, yeah that's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, like, yeah, obviously this is filmed on Earth, but still. <laughs> all right. Uh, my number one is the previously mentioned hospital explosion from the Dark Knight. This is a, a, it's a massive explosion, right? An actual abandoned hospital that Christopher Nolan got to explode. Heath Ledger was very close to this explosion. I know in the movie, he like clicks the button and the explosion has to happen, and then he jams a couple more times, and it, the explosion goes off, and he looks startled. And I think that's urban legend that that was a unplanned moment. So I'm pretty sure... Within explosions, you don't like having unplanned moments where people say go and then nothing happens. But it mm-hmm. Heath Ledger sells it so well as the Joker of it being unplanned moments that I think the urban legend took off. And it's just this massive explosion that levels an entire hospital. It's very cool. And surprisingly, yeah. no one gets hurt because they evacuate the entire hospital, including Harvey Dent. Yeah. All right. My number one is the previously mentioned ending to Dr. Strangelove. Uh, and bingo. it's it's just such a surprising end to a movie i remember watching that and just being like shocked that that is the ending of the movie like all of these different explosions going off and i thought it was pretty i thought it was a really profound interesting choice and uh especially because um in movie universe that that's not like the next thing that happens it's it that happens later like it's kind of like uh mm-hmm. jumping ahead to the inevitable kind of a thing um, oh, anyway. yeah, yeah. The, all, all the multiple explosions. Right. I mean, I, th- um, I think it's shown you that World War Three has now happened. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like in the movie. It's like the very next like it's a jump cut to it as if like they were happening 
simultaneously. You, you'd um, have preferred another half hour of generals discussing how no. to retaliate. No, not prefer. I loved <laughs> yeah, how no, it I ended. Agree. I just thought that was really interesting, super interesting. And isn't there like it would have like, been nice to like right before the bombs went off to like do a flashback. That would have been cool, and then come back and blow it up to see how Slim Pickens got here in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yup, that's me on that bomb. You're probably wondering <laughs> how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been much yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> Kubrick didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, obviously, Kubrick needed some more hacky writing to make his movies better. <laughs> All right, that was our top ten movie explosions. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed that. Maybe you learned something. I certainly did. I now know what a dirigible is. <laughs> uh, also odd that after all those bingos, not a single triple bingo. Yeah. Weird. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting for a list that it wasn't like, you know, top 10 Spielberg or something like that, where it, you were almost guaranteed a triple bingo on something like that. But um, on this, we had tons of bingos and no triple. Go figure. Thanks for listening to episode 609 of The Cinerealist. We appreciate your listenership. Don't forget, check us out on YouTube. Support us on Patreon. Leave us an Apple podcast review or send us an email at heyguys at cinerealist.com. We'd appreciate any or all, all for bonus points of those things. You could also follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Cinerealist. Or you could follow me on my personal Twitter or Letterboxd account at YoJRB. You can follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Shobin. <laughs> Did I surprise you, Zach? <laughs> How many of these have we done, Kyle? Uh, find me a letterbox at Peter SKB. <laughs> we will be back next week uh, with another explosive topic. This one, Ridley Scott's Napoleon biopic or biopic starring Joaquin Phoenix. Looking forward to that. We'll see you guys there. Until then, keep it Cinereal.